Now I want to call your attention to 1 Kings 17, 1 through 16. We're going to be seeing a story in that passage about Elijah and also the widow of Sarephah. The word of the God says, Now Elijah, the Tisbite, from Tisbe in Gila, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither drew nor rain in the next few years except at my, uh, at my word. Then the word of the Lord came into Elijah, Live here, turn elsewhere, and hide in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did that the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine, as is of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up, because there had not been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to uh, him, Go at once to Sarephah in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Sarephah. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As he was going to get it, uh, she, sorry, she was going to get it. He called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied. I don't have any bread, only a, a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil olive oil in a jar. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for, my, for myself and my son, that we may eat, eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour uh, will not be used up, and their jar of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jar of uh, oil did not run dry. In keeping with the, the word of the Lord spoken,
by Elijah. So far, the word of the Lord. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we go to this story, we have to keep in mind the providence of God, how God provides uh, for these two people who were in great danger. When we think about this story, what's the first thing come to mind? What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about this? Well, the God of the Bible is a God of cares, who cares for his people. That's the first things that came to my mind. The God of the Bible is a God who cares, who looks, who takes care of his people. The attributes of providence show us what it means to be under God's protection. What do I mean when I say that God, by the attributes of providence, provides for all needs of his people? What does it mean? I think the Heidelberg Catechism appointed very well. And it says in Lord Day's, uh, Lord's Day 10, question 27. What do, you, uh, what, do I, or what do you understand by the providence of God? What do we understand by the providence of God? So, the Heidelberg Catechism answer. Providence is clearly seeing its development throughout the history of redemption, where God takes care of us and each and everyone, everything serves for the will of God. God's creation is protected and sustained until its purpose is fulfilled. Furthermore, God has provided the meaning of salvation for his people through the sacrifice of Christ who fulfills his promises to save God's elect. I think the, the Heidelberg Catechism clearly appointed what it is to be under the protection of God. What it is to be under the providence of God. For these reasons, in the biblical account of 1 Kings 17, we can observe that a story of faith and perseverance in the word of God. Elijah and the widow of Sarephah, two people guide, two people guide by God. To fulfill his word. Both Elijah and also the widow of Sarfa fulfilled God's word. The question is, what are we doing to fulfill God's word? What are we doing 
to provide for those who don't know Jesus the salvation that is for them. You know that there in the world, there is a lot of people who don't know Jesus yet. Or at least they don't have a relationship with him. What are we doing to bring the gospel to them? Isn't it this is what Elijah is doing? He went by the word of God to a city, to a pagan city, to a city probably doesn't know God, the God of Israel. But he went there to protect the widow and her house, but also to bring the good news of salvation in Christ. When the people of God live for him, how wonderful it is to experience God in God's providence care. It is comforting to realize that God always, always provides for his children. Sometimes we think that God only cares about the spiritual part of us. But no, he cares for the spiritual part, but also for the physical part. He always looks for both because he saved us. The whole I he saved. He saved me, my body. He saved my soul. He saved my spirit. He saved me. He didn't save my spirit. He saved me all from his wrath. So we need to think about that. But he does care for us. By looking at these verses, we can see that God's uh, providence covers all areas of life. Nothing is out of his control. He's sovereign. The attributes of providence give us hope in the midst of chaos, in the midst of difficulties. As it teaches us that He is our provider. He never stopped looking for us. Why do we believe in that providence of God? Firstly, providentially, we see that God fed Elijah using dragons and clean birds. He used them to feed him. Secondly, God supports Elijah by giving him water from the stream to drink. But when, when the water dry out, uh, he sent him away from it. But he didn't only see Elijah in, in trouble and troubles. He saw the widow of Sarephath too. He sent him to Phoenicia, the city of a pagan city nearby Sidon, where a daughter of him was almost out of food and his descendants were in a lot of troubles too. 
brothers and sisters. She is a widow without name. The Bible doesn't recall her name. Was her name important? Probably not. This, the story is important because even Elijah was, was far away from her. And she was in great dangers. Her descendants, descendants were in danger too. The boy probably was, was not old enough to support her mother. So God bring Elijah to her. Isn't it amazing how God look after his people? I don't know how many of you are or were going through difficulties. But remember this. He never get there late. He always on time. And he bring peace in the middle of the storm. He bring peace. In the middle of the difficulty, he bring uh, hope. Hope. That's a word that looks like it's gone from this world, right? It disappears from this world. This is a word that keeps us going. So I want to just focus myself in two things. Trusting in the word of God and obedience to the word of God. God called Elijah to a very dangerous ministry. He had to do a, his ministry when Ahab and Jezebel were, were ruling the ten tribes uh, of the north of Israel, in the north of Israel. And it was difficult for him to do his ministry under a lot of pressure. But he never doubted to, to keep doing what God he called him to do. God always looked after his, his prophet. In the first verses of this chapter we find Elijah prophesying to Ahab about an upcoming unprecedented job. He was prophesying to him that something terrible is going to happen in Israel. And far more uh, Israel. For three and a half years, there will be no rain in Israel. Imagine how devastated the land uh, might be without rain. This fact contradicts the Phoenician god Baal because Baal was a god of rain and fertility so God was challenging Baal to bring rain from heaven if he was a god isn't it Elijah did it before so and now he's doing it again so Baal cannot do anything 
nor any other God. Because the only God that opens the heavens and opens the earth and opens everything to provide rain and everything that we need to live and survive is God. No other gods. So death is going to be take over the country because of the sin of the king and the uh, queen and also the nation. Because they left God and they bowed themselves to gods who are not God. So God sent Elijah to Ahab to let him know that there be no rain for three and a half years. God is judging the sin of his people, the sins of Israel. When we get more into the story, we can see that Elijah was fed by ravens. Verse 4, you can see that how God provides for him. God instructs Elijah to travel to the east. Stay there, and I will sustain you. We don't know. You know, ravens are uh, unclean birds, and they eat anything. Where they found the meat and bread to bring to the prophet. Providentially, God provides the meat and the bread, and they just were tools in God's hands to bring the food for his prophet. Because he needs uh, strength to keep going, to do what God called him to do. Let's think for a moment. God has been sustaining his prophet for a year. He used an unclean bird. And after the year is complete, he instructs him, Elijah, you have to move from here. You have to go from here. There will be no more food for you in this place. There will be no more uh, water for you in this place. There will be no more my protection for you in this place. So you have to move from here and go where I tell you to go. How have you ever been in that position before? I have. In 2010, I was working for a company making good money here in Toronto. And Ming's uh, Miami International Seminary called me to go to Central America, especially, uh, specifically to El Salvador, to do mission there. Rosa, my wife, we spoke a lot about this before we make the decision. And at the end, we decided that we needed to go to El Salvador. We went there without knowing what's going to happen, with little money, and also with a lot of difficulties because our kids were small at that time. But God provided. And by the grace of God, we established a seminary which is still working with, a, with 
75 students. Two are studying, uh, actually four are studying their uh, D-Ming. Um, six of them has finished their master's degree. And a lot, a lot got, had graduated from their BA. 10 years, 22 years of work. Finally, uh, we have uh, seen the fruit of our work. But in the moment, it was hard to, to see, you know, the necessity and to see if it, that was God's call for us. But he stayed faithfully to us, and we stayed faithfully to his call. And here we are. Keep going. Same thing happened to Elijah. So Elijah, move, go from this place. There'll be no more water from the brook. There'll be no more food from the ravens. So you need to go from here. And Elijah immediately stood up and left the place and went to a pagan city to a woman that he doesn't know. To a people he doesn't know. But he went in the word of God. Trusting on God. Brothers and sisters, that's the best thing that we can do. Trust in God. Whenever he spoke to you, whenever he talked to you, and he talked to us every day through his word. When he directs you to do something, do it. Don't hesitate to do it. Because he's calling you to do it. And if he's calling you to do it, he will provide, he will support, he will be with you. As he was with Elijah in his journey to Saifah. Sometimes that beg our attention and we must ask ourselves. If for one year God uh, sustained Elijah the way he did. Why he wouldn't sustain him more in that place? Why he has to move from that place? Wasn't this the God who drew the water from the stone while Israel was going through the desert? Wasn't this the God that brought me from heaven to the, the people of Israel? Yes, he was. But he also likes us to obey his word. And go as he tells us. God could have used different ways to sustain Elijah. But he uses him and he does his way. In the genius law of Leviticus 11.15. Israel, uh, God forbidden uh, Israel to get close, even close to ravens because they were unclean uh, birds. And now he's using them to provide food for, for Elijah. God sometimes breaks uh, ceremonial laws 
to fulfill his uh, ways. The ravens uh, supplied food for, for, for the prophet, and they were forbidden by the law of Moses. With this fact, we can see, oh, God demonstrates that everything exists in the world is for the benefit of, the, of his people. Everything that this world produces is for the benefits of his people. Even the bad things. Actually, uh, Paul says in Romans 8.28 that everything, everything is directed by God to work for the benefits of his covenant people. God protection is something that God's people see every day. Let's think about this for a moment. How many times the children of God have been protected by people who have nothing to do with them. And nothing to do with the kingdom of God. We have seen this many, many times. But these people are moved from God. To preserve life. To preserve their lives. To preserve the life of, of God's elect. The, the widow of Sarephath was a Gentile uh, pagan woman. We can conclude that God is breaking all legalistic molds To show his grace for the sole purpose of providing life for his people for his prophet when we read this narrative historical event we must read in the context of the history of redemption as is mentioning in the Harabay Catechism God provides to his elect with only one who can save us from God alone this is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He provides His only begotten Son to die for us on the cross. And that way we can be saved from God. Saved from God. God saving us from God. And this is how we have to see this story. We have to see it in the context of the, of the cross. We have to see it in the context of the history of redemption. The great provider for our life is God. He provides His Son. He provides salvation. He provides for our food. He provides for our necessities. He provides everything that we need because He is God. Therefore, it is important to think about the work of the cross. Only the worst in society 
were hanged in the cross. Uh, he became cursed. Christ became cursed. He took our place. We were supposed to be there, but he took our place. Jesus gave himself up to be reproached so that his people will not have to go through the wrath of God. What an amazing God we have, isn't it? What an loving God we have. Jesus humbles himself to utmost so that in him humiliation we who were unclean will be made as blessing and would be cleansed from filthiness. This is the God we have. So God said, go. Go and do as I said. In this story account, we can see three things. The woman was a uh, widow. We don't know how old she was. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. We only know that she had a small child. We don't know also the age of the boy. But we only know one thing. She was children of God. She was a faithful woman. She, she put her faith on God, on the God of Israel. Elijah was told, I have commanded a widow uh, there to feed you. That was the word of the Lord. Verse 9. That was the Lord, word of the Lord. I have spoken to this widow, to this woman. Go. Go. Until the famine, famine passes in the land. There probably be more than just three and a half years of starvation. They probably go for longer uh, amount of time. Because the effect was going to be devastating far beyond the, uh, the count imagined. So then... Second, God sustained the widow house and Elijah providentially. We speak of providence because the woman tells him, see the word that she uses in verse 12 and 13. As the Lord your God lives, as the Lord your God lives. So she is recognizing that in this specifically moment, she is recognizing the God of Elijah as the only God. So she says, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jar. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in a prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat, eat it and die 
This is the word she uses. So we don't have anything else. This is all we have. And I'm going to prepare it for me and for my son. And that's it. We're going to lay and die. Look what Elijah says to her. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Imagine this word. Do not fear. Elijah is injecting in her hope. Woman, go and do what you have said that you were going to do. But do not fear. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it. And bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and for your son. Isn't it beautiful? He first appointed the providence of God. Don't be afraid. God will provide. Just be careful. Be careful. Do as I say. Give God the first thing and then you. You follow me? Give God the first. Then do for me. Or for you and your descendants. This is this is amazing. As we put God first, or the center of everything we do, every, everything else follow as God wants us to do. Some, him, some people see here an act of proof of the faith of the woman. Maybe, maybe. That's, that's a possibility. But it's also possible that Elijah is telling the woman, put God through and then rest on him. Rest on him. He cares for his people. Second, the, the geography. Surfat was located about 10 miles away from Sidon, a main city of the Phoenicia. This small village is outside the Israeli geography. Elijah's encounter with the widow can be compared to Jesus' encounter with the woman in, from Samaria. Remember the story? They were, Jesus was there and, and there was a woman. And they had a whole conversation. Wasn't him? They had a whole conversation. She was seeking the water. And Jesus gave her the water of life. And the widow of Sarifah was seeking the breath. And he gave the breath of life. Brothers and sisters. To the Samaritan woman, Jesus brings the water of life. As you can see, we are taking about, uh, talking about water and we are talking about bread. The water and the bread both are represented in the Lord's Supper. 
the blood cleanses us from our sins and the bread feeds us for eternity. That brings us to the second point. Obedience to the word of God. The word of God for Elijah is forceful. Get up and go to the satisfy. The word is sent. Go orders. God orders the departure to the city of the satisfy. God, God explains why Elijah has to leave from the place. Elijah arrives at the door and finds right at the entrance a woman collecting a firewood to cook what will be her last meal. They did not know each other. Before that, they never had any encounter. Yet, and this is amazing, immediately they both recognized each other. Remember that God spoke to the woman and God spoke to Elijah, but they didn't see their face before. And immediately when Elijah saw her, he recognized her. Isn't it that the work of, of, of uh, the Spirit in us? He put grace in us. Uh, maybe in our case, I recognize some of your faces. I think I, I saw some of you in classes or meetings or uh, in churches uh, activities. But I never probably talked to any one of you before. And I felt like you're my family. You know why? You probably have a different last name than me. My last name is a little difficult to pronounce. But we have only one blood that brings us together. The blood of the Lord, Jesus Christ. And the work of the Holy Spirit in us bring us together as one body, as one people. And that's what is happening here. The prophet of God wasn't there, and the woman of God wasn't there, and, the, and they recognized each other, and Elijah immediately approaches her and told her, do this and that, and God will provide for your needs. Again, the widow said, as the Lord your God lives, That's all I have. But I will do it. As you said. Because I understand. This is what the Lord. Had told me to do. And this is what I supposed to do. For the kingdom of God. We never. See this woman again. In the, in, in the Bible. Salvation also did not come through Molech, the God of the Philistines, but through Jehovah of the armies of Israel. Salvation does not come 
through any other God, but only through the one sovereign and holy God, salvation comes from our Lord and Jesus and Savior, Jesus Christ. Elijah says to the woman, do not fear. God is injecting confidence, security, hope, and everything you can imagine to, in, into the heart of this woman. That's why Elijah says, go and do as you have said. Go. This is a demonstration of faith and perseverance in the word of God. We were called to be faithful to the word. We were called to be faithful to Christ. We were called to be faithful to the church. We were called to be faithful to his kingdom. Until he comes again. When he fulfills everything that he uh, is going to do. No sacrifice goes unrewarded. All the things that Christians do will receive their payment according to the word of the Lord. Nothing was lacking in the house of the widow until she could have enough to survive. It didn't go forever. It didn't go until she died. It did go until it needed to go. And that's the word. But remember this. Jesus assured us that every good work done for the prophet of God has its reward. Matthew 10, 41 and 42. Everything that a, a, a man or a woman do for a, a man of God, it will have its reward. Let me ask you something. Weren't there any more widows in Israel at this time? There were. Why did God send Elijah to a pagan city? We don't know. We don't know. But Jesus says this in Luke 4.26. He prays and he said that there were a lot more widows in Israel at this time. But God decided to send this uh, his prophets to, to this woman because he saw her. So brothers and sisters, there, there is a whole theology that Israel is special in the eyes of God and maybe he is because uh, Jesus was born from the Israelite line. But Salvation is not through Israel. Furthermore, we can see that God has only one body. God has only one people. God has only one church. Combined by the Israelites and also by the Gentiles. 
So Jesus said it himself. God sent Elijah because she needed to see that her faith was not in vain. Her faith was in the true and only God. The widow of Sarephath learned things that every Christian must experience. Constant faith. Are your faith is constant? Is your faith enough to help others faithfully? To provide for the needs of your family faithfully? To provide for the needs of the congregation of the church faithfully? Another thing that this woman learned is that we have to have faith under any circumstance. It doesn't matter where and how and what is going on in our lives. Our faith defines us who we are in Christ. We have to have faith under any constraint. Obeying the word of God has temporal and eternal rewards. Jesus assures us that the children of God lack nothing. Look at the bird, he said. Look at the birds of the earth. Do they work? No, they don't. But God feed them. Matthew 6, 26. This is the kind of God that we have. Brother and sister, I hope that I bring encourage and that your faith grows with this word today. Amen.